Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. A lot to get into on a Monday, so let's not waste any time. Let's head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline. And joining our man from the Sporting Tribune, Fernando Ramirez. Fernando, how are you? Arash, I'm in, our, in the first half of this, so I, I must be prime time today. I feel like uh, <laughs> Canelo Alvarez or one of these prime time guys. I'm ready to go. Listen, we normally save the best for last, but, uh, <laughs> I love but that. for a variety of reasons, uh, we, we got to start off with you first. I mean, first of all, Chargers by week came fairly early. That, that means on a Sunday, you were not watching uh, the uh, Chargers or not at SoFi. What did you do on Sunday, Fernando? Uh, did you know the Chargers lost the bye week, by the way? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, well, honestly, I was really interested in JC Jackson and how he would do yeah. uh, over with the Patriots. Uh, I, um, and honestly, like I, I mentioned to uh, well, obviously, the trade happened last week. I've said this numerous times JC Jackson was always available to the media. If he, uh, even if he allowed uh, 130 yards or if he didn't play or he was injured, whatever it was, always available. I respect that about him. Uh, I was watching this game. I mean, they just, they played bad as a team, 34 to zero. Uh, it just, it just is unraveling in New England. It looks like Bill Belichick is either going to retire or be looking for a new job uh, at 70 something, at 70 something <laughs> years old. Uh, but, uh, it, it didn't look good, but I saw the Rams against the Eagles. I thought that game was very interesting. I think the Rams are showing fight. The only thing is you can tell the talent isn't there. Um, I'm of the opinion that they, uh, they need to continue the trend from yesterday. I think Matthew Stafford is kind of at, in, on his last legs. Yeah. Uh, I think they need to start looking for the future. I think they have uh, two great receivers in Cooper cup and Puka Nakua. Uh, I can't wait till T-shirts are made about those two together, Cup and uh, Nakua, or Puka and Cup, or something. Uh, to that <laughs> extent. Um, I saw Chiefs Vikings, and then obviously, no, no offense, but I saw the throttling of uh, uh, the 49ers and the Cowboys. Uh, so, yeah, I, I basically try to watch a little bit of everything just to see how the landscape is of the NFL. And everybody says Joe Burrow's back. I have differing opinions, but. Uh, 
But yeah, I mean, I saw a little bit of everything. Very interesting uh, weekend, to be honest. How does this change Bill Belichick's legacy in the sense that, uh, listen, amazing defensive coordinator with Bill Parcells with the Giants, a decent head coach prior to Drew Bledsoe going down. Not a great mm-hmm. head coach. Again, uh, he was about not, to get fired. Exactly. So again, did not perform well when he was a head coach with the uh, Cleveland Browns. Got a second chance again with New England. And again, wasn't going that great. He replaced Pete Carroll. And then yeah. again, Drew, Drew Bledsoe goes down. Tom Brady comes in. Uh, so again, you, you can't discount the relationship and the partnership that those two had. That being said, Tom Brady goes to t- Tampa Bay, wins the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. And really what we've seen from Bill Belichick's teams in New England, um, not good. How does this change how he is viewed? Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I think it's when you sit down at a restaurant, the appetizer is not good. The drink is eh, but the meal was delicious. The dessert is kind of, ah, you're struggling (laughs) with it. Hey, but at least the meal was really good. I think that's the legacy of Bill Belichick. The meal was delicious. Why? You won uh, six, you won six Super Bowls. You went to, uh, you went to nine of them with Tom Brady. Uh, you were a genius, a mastermind with your defense and stuff that the little things that you did, obviously, uh, there's some questionable decisions in there. I get it. But at the same time, they won the Super Bowls. They did everything that they needed to do. Now this is just extra. I mean, I, I think his legacy is still there. I think he is one of, if not the greatest coach of all time, but attention to detail. Remember, I mean, they, everybody said it. You cannot win with a defensive, like you cannot bring in a solid quarterback or or develop a solid quarterback with a defensive head coach. And he changed that. He's yeah. a defensive minded head coach. He, he, so Tom Brady said it, that they would sit down together and he they would watch the opposing defense and they would break everything down. That's how Tom Brady prepared. Peyton Manning, same thing. He would sit down with his defensive coordinator. They would break down everything uh, with their defensive coordinator from the opposing defense so that they could understand. So that's just genius uh, work. Bill Belichick, is he's more Sith Lord than Jedi, <laughs> than Master Jedi, obviously. But, yeah. uh, but I think his legacy is there. This is just extra. If he won a Super Bowl, that would be incredible. Um, but I just don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know what Bill Belichick is going to want to do after. I know Bill Simmons said that he thinks that Bill Belichick is going to coach either the Chargers or the Washington Commanders oh after God. this season. But I I don't know if at his age you're going to want to do something new. I know he just broke up with his uh, very young uh, girlfriend, but I don't know if he's going to want to uh, uh, take on a new opportunity. I mean, He's been driving to the same facility for 25 years. He's been wearing the same clothes for. Can you imagine this closet? I bet you he has one closet of just <laughs> stuff. I'm going to be honest, but I don't know what he's going to want to do after. But I know that uh, Robert Kraft is going to have to make a change after this year. This is not looking good. And I think Gerard Mayo might be the next. Uh, he was a former linebacker yeah. for Bill Belichick, a great linebacker. He's there. I think they're DC right now. Um, I think he's going to be next in line for that. Uh, Patriots job, which obviously is great because it gives a um, it gives a, a another black coach an opportunity to to be a head coach. That'd be that'd be and with the work uh, uh, D'Amico Ryan's is doing with the Houston Texans, heck, uh, hopefully he can do the same with the Patriots. 
you know, I mean, I, I think that they, they they will definitely work out a way for this to be a, a mutual parting of the ways. That there's yes. no way that the Patriots are going to fire Bill, so he's going to probably at some point. It won't be during the season. I, I can't imagine. No, that. no, no, that'd but be at, embarrassing. Yeah, but at some point at the end of it, he's saying, you know, listen, uh, this team needs a new head coach. Um, that you bring up a great point. You know, I I think at this point in his career, unless he wants to pass Don Shula, which I have heard is something that he does want to. Do. So if yeah. you want to pass down Shula, um, it'll be very interesting where he goes. I think he's going to obviously want to align himself with a franchise quarterback. So with, with you bringing up the Chargers, that would be interesting. And that would be so much fun for you to cover Bill Belichick <laughs> because he is so great with the media, right? Uh, just kidding. Um, listen, okay. Hey, so- if you get him to talk about special teams, <laughs> right? that's where he goes off for about 10 minutes. That was like the answer of the year was talking <laughs> right. him about special teams. <laughs> hey, and I can get, he liked the Travis Kelsey, Taylor oh, Swift thing. So that's amazing. Yeah, so he, he he you just need to know how to ask him questions. And I'm sure I've been in one of his press conferences before. And it is pins and needles. Like, you're just sitting there and you're like, okay, who's going to ask the first question? Yeah. And you can't really hear him all that well. So it's just, uh, it's an interesting time to be honest. But uh, <laughs> what would what would you call, like, if you went to the Chargers or the Commanders or somewhere, what would you call it now? It's not the Patriot way anymore. Is it the Belichick way? Is it the Commanders I think, way? I like- think it's the Belichick way. I, I think for <laughs> him, he's got to be smart and you know, remove himself from the team because then, you know, what, what you, you, you have to trademark that, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. Tom, Tom Brady did a good job uh, with that. What was it called? The, the uh, TB. Uh, yeah. The TB 12 method. Yeah. So, you know, you gotta have your own thing. So if, if, Bill, if I'm Bill, I'm putting this all on Mac Jones. Like it's not on me. It's yeah. On Mac yep. Jones, get the heck out of Dodge. Come. Uh, and again, we'll see what happens with the uh, Chargers. Well, they just don't have any weapons. That's the no. thing too. I mean, people want to Blame Mac Jones, and I'm kind of like, whoa! Like the offensive line's not good. They have injuries all over the place. The weapons are just not good. Yeah, Juju Smith-Schuster was good last year, but that's because Travis Kelsey's the number one. Here, he's being asked to be the number one. So it's just a cluster. I mean, and the defense. I know everybody wants to blame the Patriots defense too, but you have to remember as well. Christian Gonzalez is now hurt. They haven't. What's his name didn't play? Uh, the pass rusher uh, Matthew Judon. Yeah. Uh, guys are hurt. So I honestly expect a fire sale now from the Broncos, the Patriots. Like I feel like some of these teams are just going to start selling players because they just know that they don't have anything going for them. So, uh, so yeah, I just expect fire sales to start happening soon. Heck, if I'm the, if I'm the Cowboys, I call the Broncos and say, Hey, what do you want for Patrick Sertan? Yeah. Your dad, his dad played for the Bronco or for the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. What do you want? You want two first round draft picks? Here you go. <laughs> like, that's all you and then next year, Stefan Gilmore, you can get rid of him and you have Sertan and you have Diggs. You have the best combination at uh at uh cornerback in the NFL. So I mean, that's just a thought. But I I think teams, especially contending teams like the Bills, like the Chiefs, they need to start looking at some of these teams that are doing fire sales. And go get like, well, the Chiefs wouldn't trade with the Broncos, but uh, but I don't know, just start looking at some of these bad teams and being like, hey, like. We'll take this guy off your hands. We'll take that guy off your hands. Like you need to start looking around because the the especially after yesterday, the Bills need uh, secondary help and they need uh, some linebacking. So uh, and the Broncos have a good defense with some solid young players on there. So uh, just a thought, though. 
Yeah, uh, listen, you brought up the Cowboys. Uh, listen, I, I mean, I've, I've followed them enough in my life to know not to get too excited. My goodness, they haven't gone <laughs> this to the 90s anymore, Arash. And not, and not the 90s. Troy is not walking through that door. They, they, they have Well, he is, but to be for the commentator, brought, there you go. Thank you. He is walking <laughs> through the press box door. But oh, he is next, and he is next Monday. That's right. So you have perfect, yeah. perfect transition here. Uh, I thought the Cowboys were. You know, in contention to be one of the best teams in the league at the beginning of the season, uh, 40 to nothing shut out of the Giants. They demolished the Jets. Now we're finding out, you know, maybe the, the, those are, are, are not signature wins. Um, and then they absolutely got demolished, uh, steamrolled by the 49ers on Sunday Night Football. Okay, so now they come to SoFi Stadium. They, they are going to play the uh, Chargers on Monday Night Football. And I think we are going to get a sense, maybe, where both of these teams are right now. Your thoughts on this big matchup coming up on Monday Night Football? Well, it's very interesting just because of uh, this is basically these next three games are do or die for the Cowboys. They have the Chargers and then they go. Then they have the Rams at home. Then they go to Philadelphia. These next three games are very crucial for the Cowboys, especially because their season is basically on the line already, which I mean, obviously it's not good to say, but uh, it's just the the honest truth. I mean, the ch- they're coming into the Chargers. The Chargers need to do two things. One, they need to start getting these young receivers going. But two, they need to run the football. That's that's the thing that kind of hurt the Cowboys yesterday. They were running the football consistently. They were uh, doing different. They were using a lot of different formations. And hey, yesterday they couldn't blame Kellen Moore for the interceptions that Dak threw. I mean, yeah. so it, it, I think it's honest. It was honestly on Mike McCarthy. They needed a scapegoat. They decided to go with Kellen Moore. I'm sure Kellen Moore right now is is foaming at the mouth to try and go at uh, at these Cowboys because he wants to win. You know, he really wants to win uh, this game, especially because of all the noise that came out after he had already left where Mike McCarthy said, oh, well, he was trying to throw the ball all over the place. I'm trying to establish the run. So, um, But the Cowboys, uh, like I said, these next three games are crucial. But against the Chargers, they're going to need to rush Justin Herbert, which they have one pass rusher, but I didn't see Demarcus Lawrence yesterday. I didn't see any other defensive line. Uh, Van Der Esch might be out for this game. I think he had a head injury yesterday. Uh, Turpin, who's a very explosive returner, he's caught a touchdown yesterday. He's out for the next month, I think, with a uh, ankle injury. So the Cowboys have some injuries coming into this game, the Charger. But make no mistake about it, the Cowboys are going to be pissed and they're going to be hungry for this. They know the Charger secondary is not that strong right now. C.D. Lamb, I'm sure, will have a big game. Brandon Cooks, they may be in for a big game. They know that the Chargers haven't been able to stop the run all that well. So I'm sure they'll feature Tony Pollard. Uh, so I expect, uh, I actually expect a, a lot of yards, but more of a low scoring game. Like maybe both score about 24, 27 points, right around there. But I think it'll be a close game. Um, but like I said, it's do or die for kind of both teams in a sense. I mean, the Chargers don't have an easy path either. Like I mentioned, they had to start off hot. They didn't. They started off even. Uh, we'll see how that is moving forward, but make no mistake about it. The Cowboys are going to be pissed off. They're going to come into SoFi, and they 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 know that there's going to be Cowboy fans in that stadium. I don't know if they're going to be overrun by Cowboy fans because I kind of got I thought the Raiders were going to overrun SoFi. They didn't. Yeah. I thought it was kind of even. Um, so I'm interested to see what happens in this game. But uh, 
But I, I think the the Chargers and the, the Chargers need to be on their P's and Q's because the Cowboys are going to come in and they're not going to be happy about this. So yeah, I know it's the Kellen Moore revenge game, but the Cowboys right. uh, the Cowboys just got uh, embarrassed. Yeah, I mean, Dak said they got they got humbled. Yeah. So uh, they better expect their best punch because even though the Cowboys have all these injuries uh, coming up this week, I'm sure they're going to be uh, they're going to be hungry for for a victory. By the way, you know, this, this thing happens at SoFi Stadium, at Allegiant Stadium as well, on Monday Night Football. Uh, listen, it's Oh, yeah. Feel, Tonight, it's going to be cheeseheads all over the place. It's going to be cheeseheads all over the place. And then you have the Rams uh, game yesterday against <laughs> Philadelphia. Felt like a Philadelphia crowd. But listen, How were the cheesesteaks, Arash? No, it was amazing. No, <laughs> <laughs> not like Philadelphia. You know, with, with you get the cheese whiz or the uh, provolone. Yeah. But, no, I was uh, asking because it felt like you guys were in Philly yesterday at that game. I know. I know. But I mean, that's what I'm saying. When you're in Los Angeles, when you're in Las Vegas, it's not just a transient town. I think people want to come from around the country uh, to go to, to those games. Um, exactly. So that sort of dovetails into, you know, your thoughts on the Rams. I thought, listen, I mean, you know, the final score like is what it is, but I thought once again, they, they kind of stuck in there with the uh, team that I think is one of the best in football. So again, you, you lose by, you, you lose to San Francisco by one touchdown. Uh, that game against Philadelphia was a one score game throughout. Again, you don't get any consolation prizes. Yeah. I think this Rams team is a good team, but now uh, being uh, two and three, your thoughts on them? First off, I would like to petition the NFL to move the one of the Eagles or the 49ers to the AFC. I would love to see a Super Bowl of the Eagles versus the 49ers. There's a <laughs> lot of bad blood, especially what happened last year. Yeah. I know that both teams are angry. They're pissed off. They're playing like it. But uh, but no, but going back to the Rams, I'm very uh, – I've been impressed with the Rams all season. They've, they fought. They fought back. I know last week they almost had a debacle uh, being up on the Colts, and then the Colts stormed back and almost beat them. I get that, but uh, but they've showed fight. And, I mean, I, I, I still don't think it's a playoff team. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do feel like they have some pieces there. It's just the defense is not very good. They couldn't really stop the Eagles or slow down the Eagles almost at all. Uh, their offense kind of gets in these uh, – they they have spurts of very good offensive play, but then at times Matthew Stafford just kind of goes a little bit cold. Uh, I know that he kind of – he doesn't look the same as he did that Super Bowl year. He looks beat up. Uh, that's why I was saying I think they need to start looking at their quarterback of the future. I mean, they need to um, – they need to get prepared because, like I said, they have Cooper Cup, who's still a young player. They have, uh, they have Puka Nakua. They have some good pieces, but uh, they need to start looking for the quarter. Well, obviously, build the offensive line. They need the quarterback, and then obviously keep on building on that defense. I think that defense has some young players, but I think they have some talented young players. I've said it before. Les Need is a very good drafter of the third, fourth, fifth, yeah. sixth, what, 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 seventh round <laughs> drafted free agents. I, I like all that. So I, I think that the Rams are, are going to be okay. I just don't know if Sean McVay is going to want to do a rebuild or not. If he does, I'd be very impressed because I know a lot of people think that he just came in. He added some pieces to the already stacked roster, or big, good roster that the Rams had, and they went to the Super Bowl with it. They lost, but then they went again when they did the whole all-in and they won. So I don't know if he wants to do a rebuild. Uh, especially with his child about to be born and everything, or if he's going to take some time away. 
But I'm going to be interested to see what the future is of uh, Sean McVay with that team. But I think the future is bright for the Rams. I think their fans need to uh, need to be in there through the thick and thin and uh, stop giving away your t- selling your tickets. I know it's a profitable thing, but this seems to begin to bounce back. They're not going to be down forever. I mean, they have a good GM. They have an owner willing to spend. I know that uh, that same owner is not very well liked in Arsenal. Arsenal. But uh, because uh, they think that he's cheap, but uh, right. and and they boggled the the lead last year that they had in the Premier League. But and with the Rams, I mean, I'm sure fans love him and they know that he's willing to go all in to win that chip. So, uh, so I think the future is bright for the Rams. To be honest, I wouldn't I wouldn't write them off. And I, I think teams, especially a team like the Cowboys who play them next week, the week after they play the Chargers. They need to be careful because the Rams are going to – I think the Rams are going to play spoiler more than anything uh, moving forward this season. I, I Like I said, I don't think they're a playoff team, but I think that they could, they're good enough to play spoiler for uh, teams trying to move up or uh, into playoff contention. Yeah, listen, if you were a gooter in North London and you're seeing, you know, Stan Kroenke's winning with the Denver Nuggets, he's winning with the Colorado <laughs> Avalanche, he's winning with the Rams – for God's sakes, even his uh, premier lacrosse team. And who the heck even watches premier exactly. lacrosse? And then how about Arsenal? How about Arsenal? Can they can they can they get a win? It looked like that they had it all. Who are you? Who are you? I know. So exactly. I, mean, I think I think they're looking at these memes about Stan Kroenke being a champion, going, uh, we don't know that guy. We just Exactly. Uh, who who that who are you? Who yeah, are you? Exactly. But they had they had a three-one lead last year on Man City and they boggled it. That's that's so, you know, that is that yeah. is what it is. Um, all right, Fernando, I will see you on Monday. Um, and uh, we, we, will, we will catch up about all things wrestling as well, which we didn't touch on today, but we'll talk about it next week. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll talk uh, more about the Rams, the Chargers, and uh, where do the Dodgers go from here. When we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here... Everyone is invited, so get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Rock Montanti Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. Right, let's go out to the Circus Sports Guest hotline right now, and joining us from the Sporting Tribune, Grant Mona. Grant, how are you? Well, uh, I'm doing okay. <laughs> My Rams didn't do very well. The Dodgers didn't do very well, but the Clippers did play. Although they lost, I'm happy about that. I'm happy that three sports are coinciding right now. 
I was gonna say, you know, because you uh, you like the USC Trojans as well, and I'm watching that triple overtime game against Arizona. Oh, thing. I you forgot know, about that. I got well, caught up. Well, because you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 tracking both games on Saturday, and it's seventeen nothing Arizona over USC in the first quarter. Oh. Uh, not to bring up, I forgot what the what it was like six nothing or whatever it was nine. It was pretty bad in the first inning of the Dodgers yeah. game. Okay. So depending on when you are tuning in to us on a Monday, it could either be before the Dodgers game, during the Dodgers game, maybe even after the Dodgers game. But let's focus on game one of the National League Division Series against the Diamondbacks. Um, you know, great. You you didn't love that they were going with Kershaw in game one. You you knew why Dave Roberts did it. Nobody thought it would be as disastrous as it was. And it's just really hard because Clayton's dealt with this throughout his career. Like outside of the 2020 World Series, just every postseason has been like this. Uh, your thoughts as you as you saw game one really unfold and was basically done quickly. Well, everything happens so quick, you know, you kind of don't have much time to respond. Um after the first batter, when James Outman missed that that fly ball, I was kind of like, uh-oh, here we go. This this may not be what we need. And, you know, Kershaw, his velocity was up. You know, we, we saw that, you know, his velocity was down at the end of the year. He got extended rest at the end of the year um, to get him ready for this game one. And, you know, Arash, like you mentioned, I was one of the ones that said Bobby Miller should have started game one. Um but I, I understood why they started Kershaw, and I understood why Dave Roberts wanted a veteran on the mound for that game one matchup, especially when you have you know a new team, a younger team this year. I understand that. Um, but it just unraveled so quickly. And here's the thing that I, I don't think a lot of people are talking about. Um, you know, there's a lot of focus and a lot of heat on Kershaw right now and the starting pitching staff and, you know, how they gave up so many runs. But the offense was, again, a no-show. Even if Kershaw had one of his best performances and he kept him in the game, the Dodgers, I know it changes your mentality. And I know, it. you know, a lot of the energy was drained out of the crowd and out of Dodger Stadium. I mean, it was almost silent in that second and third inning, which is yeah. unfortunate because the Dodger fans really love October and they show out for October, even in the the midday Wednesday games Dodgers will show out. It was a Saturday night. It was packed. So to see the stadium like that probably weighed in on, on the hitters as well. And on the whole team. Um, So I can chalk it up to that, but the offense again, just did not show up. I mean, even with runners in scoring position with runners out of scoring position, they didn't hit. Um, The top two guys, I know Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman got it going late, but that was at the point where it was 11 to nothing. And you can kind of just say it was like garbage time. Um, this offense needs to perform better as well. It's not gonna, you're not gonna win one run games against the diamond. The diamondbacks, Arash, you said you, you heard me say it plenty of times. This team is pretty good still. They have Merrill Kelly and Zach Gallen, and you know, it's not gonna be an easy task, not just for the pitchers, but for the offense as well. And we saw it in game one, they kind of got bum rushed. So, what it is good for is that now the Dodgers can go back in game two and say, okay, we can look at some things and, and kind of work it out. And, you know, now it's go time. You got to manage it. Dave Roberts already said, you got to manage it like game seven from here on out. So yeah. uh, it's do or die time. But for game one, um, I think you just got to flush it. Like after I think the third or fourth inning, I was just like, all right, it, it's, it's done. Let's get it. Let's get it over with. It's over. We lost. Whether we lose by one or 11, you lost. So you just got to move on. So yes, it was a bad performance, but that's why you get a five-game series. It's not a three-game series like you saw in the wild card round. So there is a chance still. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those things as I'm watching it play out, 
where um, I'm thinking, okay, I, I know this is going to be a long series. And Grant, you predicted it. You said this series would go five. So you thought that they lose two. I mean, you, you, you didn't think it'd be a sweep. You didn't think it'd be over in four. You thought they, they, they'd win in five. You probably didn't think that they'd lose in game one. Again, you predicted Dodgers in five. Is that, uh, that has to be your, your thought still, right? Yeah, yeah, it has to. Um, you know, and even even with this game one, you know, disaster for the Dodgers, I still think that they have enough talent on paper to get it to at least four, at least um, get it to back to to LA for game five. And this is why I said it was probably going to be a five game series is because Arizona has a lot of momentum. They have a good lineup and and a lineup that's done well against Kershaw as well. Like Christian Walker, I mentioned, he does very well against Clayton Kershaw. This team has seen Clayton Kershaw over the course of the years, so they kind of know the matchups and what to do. That's why when you have an in-division opponent like Arizona and like the Padres last year, it can be better for your team or it can also be detrimental because now you, you play a team that has seen you so many times, and that's what it looked like the Diamondbacks did in that game one. It's like we knew every pitch that he was going to throw, and I'm not going to say that they are cheating or buzzers or trash cans or anything, but it just looked like they had a tab on what Kershaw was going to do. And that's just because they have so much data to go off from, from years past. You kind of see that the diamondbacks were kind of prepared and, you know, I got to give a lot of credit to Arizona. Let's do that first because Arizona came out and they proved that they are a good playoff team. So the Dodgers, yeah, sure. Like, you know, you get bum rushed, but you got to now take the data that you saw from Arizona over the course of the season and apply it. Now you have Bobby Miller going game two. You have, you know, kind of your rotation set up and, and it's good that Kershaw only went a third of an inning. Cause now he's going to still be rested for, you know, if it gets to a game four or a game five, if you need him and even a long relief role, he didn't throw that many pitches. So you can kind of say, okay, through one third of an inning, he's still kind of rested. I know it wasn't the greatest outing, but you can still use him in a long relief role or in a starting role down the line in the series. When you look at the way uh, this season was viewed, for a successful season, I thought that uh, that I I definitely wanted them to go to the championship series. If this season once again comes to an end because they're losing to a division rival in the division series, how would you take that? Uh, I think you'd have to do a lot of soul searching, honestly, because you got to at least look at it to the point of, okay, the regular season, yeah, sure, it matters to a certain extent, but it's what you do in the playoffs that matters. And if you're playing these teams in the, in the regular season and you're beating them and you're beating them, now you got to take the regular season a lot more seriously next year. You can't really just look at it and say, okay, well, you know, we're playing the Diamondbacks. you got to like at least playoff matchup. Like, say you're playing the Diamondbacks or the Padres in April or May, you got to treat it like a playoff series because now you have the Padres who are probably going to be in contention next year. The Diamondbacks, they're on the rise. They already made the playoffs this year. The Giants, I know that they have a little bit of turmoil and they just fired their manager, but all of these, you know, you have at least three teams in that NL West, even next year, that are going to try to compete at least. So next year you go into the year and you say, okay, well, we've played the Padres in the playoffs. That didn't go well. We'll wait and see on this Diamondbacks team, but we know that they're pretty good. You've got to change your philosophy a little bit. There has to be a change somewhere, and I know they have a lot of uh, money to spend, and they're going to go after Otani. Um, but it, it's been proven that I don't think it's the, the talent. We know that the Dodgers have the talent. It's the philosophy and the mentality and, and the way they approach these playoff series is what's kind of getting them right now because you have Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts and you know Kershaw, and you're always going to try to compete. They're much like the Lakers. They're always going to try to win. They're going to be in it to win it all the time. So 
you, you're going to get the talent. You got to change the philosophy, the mentality, or the way you play, or play more small ball or something. And you got to get it ready in the regular season. I still didn't see any small ball being played in the regular season this year. I still didn't see them try to steal bases. I saw the same type of Dodger baseball, and that works over the course of 162 games. But when you get into a playoff scenario, all bets are off. You yeah. got to play smart, sound baseball and. For whatever reason, it just hasn't clicked, and I, I know it's game one. We're kind of overreacting, yeah. but it, it is cause for concern. You got you got to mention it at least. Um, okay, switching gears now. Uh, you are at SoFi Stadium to watch the Rams take on Philadelphia. Uh, you you've been to a lot of these home games. Uh, hard to say. I mean, wh- how much of it was a, a takeover? Again, we we we've, we've seen this before. We knew this is going to happen. This is going to happen on Monday Night Football when the Cowboys come to town uh to play the uh, Chargers at SoFi. Uh what was the scene like? Uh yeah, it wasn't as bad as the Niners game. Uh, bad bad as in it wasn't it, as much of a takeover yeah. as as the Niners game you know, for Rams fans. I'd say it was 50-50, probably maybe 60-40 Eagles, which yeah. is still pretty bad for a Los yeah. Angeles team and a team that's actually been outperforming expectations up to this point in the Rams. Um, the Eagles fans were, you know, they were out in droves in the tailgate. They were out in yeah, because I sat in I think I sat in this the let's see section 200 which is the lower bowl and it was primarily eagles fans like there was green everywhere and it's starting to get a little bit tiring i'm going to be honest with you as as somebody that you know we know how good the rams are we know how good you know they were two years ago we know that they have stars on the team still cooper cup was back you'd expect you know a lot of rams fans to come out and support the team and it just didn't happen again. And I'm not sure if it was due to the ticket prices because the ticket prices have been pretty high. You know, even for the Niners game, for the Eagles game, it was pretty high. So that may be deterring some of the Los Angeles natives. But I just still think it chalks it up to not having an L.A. team for 30 years yeah. after they left. And I just think that, you know, you're going to get teams that travel well, like the Eagles, like the Niners, like the Bills last year. I went to the Bills opening night game last year and it was 70 30 bills fans because they just travel well rams fans don't travel well and that's just gonna have to be built up over time um it literally felt like a road game again and that's so unfortunate because the rams have such an upstart and exciting young team i know they have some veterans but it's it's just it's a shame to see because you'd love that fan support and it was loud when when puka nakua scored that touchdown and when tutu scored that touchdown but just overall, it just always feels like a road game. And I know that it'll probably change when you play the Cardinals next week. They don't travel as well. But for these teams that you want it to be like a playoff atmosphere, it feels like a road game every time. And it's just such a shame. What has to change? Because I, I think you're right. I, I think when uh, when a city and a community doesn't have a team for 21 years, that is an entire g- generation of fans... Um, you will lose that fan base. And so I'm not saying it's going to be year to year. Like if you don't have a team for 21 years, it's going to take 21 years to get that fan base back, but it could, I mean, again, it's going to maybe take that lost generation and kind of replace it with the new generation of fan who is growing up with the Rams back in Los Angeles. So, you know, when you were growing up, we didn't have a team in Los Angeles. I'm curious now that I'm saying all this, were you a Rams fan? Did you become a Rams fan when they came back? What was your pro football team during your time growing up when we had no team here? 
Yeah, so my father was actually a Rams fan, okay. you know, back in the day, and he loved the St. Louis Rams. So when they had Kurt Warner and yeah. all that, and when when they went to the Super Bowl, so I was actually a Rams fan when I was young. I dressed up as Kurt Warner for Halloween. I had the pads and everything. I had yeah. a Tory Holt fathead in my room, uh, on on my wall. So okay. I was a Rams fan even back then. Yeah. Um, you know, when they came back to LA, I didn't really, you know watch any nfl football because i didn't really have the chance to around here so obviously i went to go see the rams and they, i was way more integrated into it and i you know got myself really really back into it but yeah i've been a rams fan ever since like 2001 2002 i remember watching you know i was four or five years old and i still remember like wearing all this stuff you know watching them play the seahawks in the playoffs um every year in the early 2000s and um, you know, when they came back to LA, I kind of just, I got way more into it, obviously, cause I get to go to the games, I get to see it around town, all that stuff. But yeah, I've, I've been a Rams fan for a long time. So it's, it's still such a shame to see it like this, you know, even they even won a Super Bowl. Like you, you usually when a team wins a Super Bowl, the, the community gets on their backs and they kind of push that team. Yeah. The Rams won a Super Bowl and it still really hasn't changed, you know, around LA. And it, it's just, it sucks to see, but it's going, I, I feel like it is growing. I see a lot more Rams fans. I see a lot more blue and gold. Obviously it's still Niners and Cowboys and Raiders and all that, obviously, because Vegas is four hours away and you get a lot of people that still love the LA Raiders. But um, for the Rams, you know, I think it, it will continue to grow, especially as they continue to build contenders. So um, I'm excited to see the growth, but it's just it's just not going to be there yet for I, I think at least five to ten more years. We're going to have to wait a while. Yeah, you know, I certainly thought that when the Rams won the Super Bowl in Los Angeles, again, that, 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 that was an amazing run. Because it was really, they, they did everything that, that you have to do to win over Los Angeles. They went for the big, uh, big names. You know, they, they made the trade for Von Miller. They made the trade for Odell Beckham Jr. They have the conference championship game in Los Angeles where they beat San Francisco. They have the Super Bowl in Los Angeles where they beat Cincinnati. Uh, again, you know, these parades that happen on a Tuesday at like 10 a.m., like I, I'm not going to focus on that too much, but if, Good turnout. Um, so when you have a moment like that, and again, coming off of a couple of years before that, going to the Super Bowl, you know, playing New England, they didn't win, but it was a very close game. And I'm like, I certainly thought that would have fast-tracked the process. I, I really, truly thought if, mm -hmm. if you had told me prior to the Rams coming back to Los Angeles, if you would have said, hey, they're going to swing for the fences. They're going to make big trades. They're going to go to the Super Bowl a couple of times. They're going to win one. And not only that, the one they're going to win is in Los Angeles. Yeah, Grant, I mean, compare it to, you know, the, the, the first couple of years at the Coliseum. I mean, has the needle moved at all? I I think it has a little bit, but it's it's really not that kind of neat, like move of the needle to where you can like recognize it in person. Yeah. You know, obviously, you know, you're going to see a lot more, you know, Rams stuff around town because they won the Super Bowl. But I just I don't see the, the needle being moved that much. I mean, it's been what, uh, eight, nine years. What is it? Ten years since they came back. It's still it's a long time since they've came back to Los Angeles. And if you haven't seen it in person and a needle being moved or something, a culture being shifted it's just, I don't know what you can do, honestly, Arash. I don't know if you can market it better because they do market it pretty well. It's yeah. just that fans maybe just aren't as into football in LA as they are. I, I think they are because a lot of the opposing teams fans come and people love USC and UCLA and all these other schools, football schools. So 
let's close out with the other uh, very popular football team in Los Angeles, USC Trojans. Again, did they go to South Bend? Uh, you know what they've really been hurt by, uh, Grant, here is that uh, when you looked at their schedule, a lot of their significant games, uh, the shine has been taken uh, from it because that team will lose the previous week. And generally speaking, <laughs> obviously, uh, you want to be the first team. So, again, you knew the Colorado game would be big. You just knew that. But the week before they play Colorado, they get bum-rushed in Eugene by the Ducks. So then it's like it's not as big of a win. Yeah. And then USC that doesn't play that well. And again, this was a big uh, game this Saturday that you circled on the calendar. You go to South Bend, play Notre Dame. They were undefeated, top 10 team. And the week before you play them, they lose to Louisville. So again, just go in there and win. And I've said this. If USC just does their job, they'll be in the college football playoff. And you may think that that's crazy because, Grant, they begin the season with a top five team and they've dropped every week basically since. Yeah. I mean, they're six and oh, but they go from five to 10. Um, your thoughts on USC? Just generally speaking now, again, to have to go to triple overtime, uh, to give up 41 points against U of A, where do you see this team right now going up against a very good, a very good Notre Dame team? Yeah, Notre Dame. I mean, it's, you're right. Like every time you think USC has, you know, has the opportunity to make that statement win, you know, they, they just, the team loses the week before and it kind of diminishes the, the strength of that. And it diminishes their strength of schedule because that's what they look at at the end of the year. That's why all these power five schools in the South and in the SEC and all these other bigger conferences, they get the nods because they play, you know, to the strength of their schedule and they have a better strength of schedule. So for USC, I, I mean, to, to go to triple overtime against a team like Arizona, and it's and it, you're not even in Arizona. You're at home where you should have all the leverage in the world. And yes, they did pull it off, and they showed some flashes of brilliance, but you should not even be in that spot to begin with. And first of all, let me say this. The, that college football overtime, the rules are actually really fun. I know I was stressing out, and there were sweat dri dripping down my face because of USC, but those rules are really fun to see the two-point conversion. It, it's, it's okay. The two-point conversion is, is a little bit iffy, but I think it's fun. It gets you engaged into it. USC, they have a chance to finally make a statement win against Notre Dame. And I know Notre Dame lost. But it's still going to be a highly touted game between two. It's a rivalry game. They play all the time. They always play Notre Dame. And all, these games are always really, really good. Uh, Caleb Williams last year against Notre Dame was really, he was excellent. Yeah. That was like their statement win last year. Yeah. They kind of said USC is back on the map last year when they played Notre Dame. And I know that was at home. Um, and I know that was the first year with Lincoln Riley and all that. This still has the opportunity to be something like that. And it's it's time to, to make that happen. I, I, I'm sick of this USC team you know, fiddling and playing with their food and, you know, yes, you're 6-0 and, oh, and, you know, yes, you beat, you know, this team and this team. It's finally time for them to put their foot down and dominate a team. I don't think that they're going to dominate Notre Dame, but I, I expect them to come out with a certain sense of urgency. I, I wouldn't say this is do or die. This isn't like a must win. I mean, I, I, I know every game is a must yeah. win at this point if you want to get to that college football playoff, especially when, like you said, Arash, they keep moving back. They go from five to ten now, <laughs> and they're still undefeated. That's yeah. the thing that I keep trying to tell everyone. They're still undefeated, so there still is a chance. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I expect them to be very good against Notre Dame still. And their defense, say what you want, but they, they have the ability to do something special still, even yeah. with how bad they've been playing recently.
All right, great. You're the best. We will probably back. We will probably have you back on uh, again this week to talk about the Dodgers as they uh, move uh, through the National League Division Series against the Diamondbacks. Uh, so uh, thanks for that. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.